Laura Callanan. Today's guest is the founding partner of Upstart CoLab, which works to support the creative economy with impact investing, often supporting women and BIPOC entrepreneurs. Having had an extraordinary career before her success with Upstart CoLab, she'll share insights about her work and her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Laura, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's a thrill to reconnect. It's been a while. Hey, Devin, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. You know, the work that you have been doing now for a while at Upstart CoLab is really inspiring, and it's it's kind of a unique take on impact investing. Um, since we last connected, you've launched uh, a lot of new stuff, but one of the things that is really exciting to me is your new collaboration with uh, the Honeycomb Credit folks. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. Well, Upstart Collab be- believes that creative people solve problems, and we're disrupting the way that creativity gets funded by connecting impact capital to the creative economy. Uh, we're, we're moving money to creative people who make a profit and make a difference, right? That's how we talk about our work. And so we're always looking for the right partners, particularly uh, fund vehicles, uh, crowdfunding vehicles, as well as direct company investments that can help demonstrate the power of the creative economy to deliver market rate returns and deep social people-focused impact. So I was introduced to Honeycomb Credit by Margot Kane, who you may know from Springpoint Advisors. And Mm -hmm. uh, she said, hey, take a look at this crowdfunding platform. They seem to have a lot of creative economy businesses on the platform. So Upstart, as you know, is really focused on businesses in creative industries. We looked across the United States to understand how states and regions around the country define their local creative economy. We assembled 145 creative industries that represent America's creative economy. It was a very interesting exercise. Uh, We realized that the definition of the creative economy is a real illustration of the culture and heritage of a particular place. So just as as an example, Michigan does not include food when it defines its local creative economy, but Louisiana does, right? For all the reasons you can imagine around Creole culture and New Orleans and that sort of stuff. So we brought all of these creative industries together, and then we tried to to bucket, to organize the, the 145 industries into some key categories, ethical fashion, social impact media with an emphasis on film and TV and video games, uh, and sustainable food were among the, the three big categories that we began to focus on. Now, obviously, a lot of impact investors think about sustainable food. They think about uh, human and planetary health. They think about smallholder farmers in sub-Saharan Africa and how they can grow crops more effectively. But for us, with our focus on art, design, culture, heritage, and creativity, food was around the food products and the experiences that conveyed culture and heritage and built community. So when we got to know Honeycomb Credit and we learned that about 90% of the businesses on their platform were in creative industries, a lot of them coffee shops and restaurants and food trucks and these local food businesses, but also uh, folks in florists and and folks in the health and beauty space and designers and cabinet makers and jewelry makers and puzzle makers, you know, all of these different creative industries, we were really uh, intrigued that this could be another way to help mobilize values-aligned capital for businesses in the creative industries. And obviously, a lot of impact investing leaders are thinking about how 
there can be more retail opportunities for not the big uh, Ford foundations who are aligning a billion dollars of their endowment for their mission, but mm-hmm. you and me, you know, people who might have $500 or $200 that they'd like to feel that they are investing in a way that really means something. So we loved the idea that this was a crowdfunding vehicle that could make loan capital available to brick and mortar community-based businesses, and that most of those businesses already on the platform were in the creative industries was really a bullseye for us. So as we got to know the folks at Honeycomb Credit, they described an ambition that they had to find a way to bring institutional capital onto the platform to amplify the wisdom of the crowd. How could they attract some of the big foundations to invest through Honeycomb Credit? And um, George and his team, George Cook, one of the the founders of Honeycomb Credit and his team, They're fabulous in terms of understanding community banking. They're fabulous in terms of being able to underwrite credit risk. Uh, But the world of philanthropy and big foundations doing impact investing was a little bit new to them. Given my background coming from uh, leading on investing in impact investing for the Rockefeller Foundation and being an advisor to foundations around the world at McKinsey and Company, the philanthropy world, the foundation world is one that I definitely know. So we at Upstart were able to work closely with the team at Honeycomb to take the kernel of their idea, what they call a loan participation fund, and really make it possible. So we worked with the team, helping them to model out what uh, a foundation investor might expect in terms of the time frame that their capital would be at work on the platform, what sort of return target they might be able to anticipate and expect. We helped Honeycomb think about the the structure and the role for an intermediary organization. We're lucky to work with a group called FJC, which is a um, community banking and philanthropy platform based in New York, but able to work around the country that is a providing an intermediary role so that foundations can uh, commit $250,000 or more to the Honeycomb platform, open a loan participation fund, and that FJC uh, uh, manages the $10,000 capital calls to the 25 or so companies that meet the criteria that the foundation has set out in advance to be in their geographic region for place-based foundations, to meet their priorities around supporting uh, BIPOC or women entrepreneurs for example, uh, and certainly for us, uh, businesses that are in these creative industries. So we helped Honeycomb Credit really build out the, the kernel of their idea. And then at Upstart, since 2020, we've been advising what we call our member community, which is made up of 10 families and foundations. So we went to the foundations that are part of the member community, most of which are placed-based in their work. And we said, look, You're always asking us for something you can do in Chicago, something you can do in Alabama, Florida, Denver, you know, these places where you all work. Here is a perfect example of an opportunity that is community oriented. You can focus on your your city, your region, and it's very aligned with what we are working on together, which is mobilizing impact investment capital for the creative industries, the creative economy throughout the United States. So happy to say that already uh, the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund, uh, which is based in Jacksonville, Florida, the Souls Grown Deep Foundation, which is committed to nine Southern states and uh, the the A.L. Mailman Foundation have already uh, put money on the platform at Honeycomb Credit, and they're investing uh, in these 
small but sturdy uh, community-based creative economy businesses. And there's another foundation that that uh, we're all working with now who hopefully will join this this whole project pretty soon. And then this was the just the start that Honeycomb needed to go to other foundations and start to talk to CDFI partners and other institutions who want to be able to uh, reach the particular group of businesses that Honeycomb serves and uh, do that in a thoughtful and efficient way. So it's a great illustration of Upstart's uh, mission of mobilizing capital, impact capital to the creative economy. And we love doing it with, with partners like Honeycomb Credit. Yeah, it's it's really an amazing program, and I, I live here in Jacksonville, uh, so as we record this, uh, Hurricane Ian is headed our way, and <laughs> uh, but the uh, I recently did a little investment uh, right. through Honeycomb right. into a deal that I think uh, the Jesse Ball, Ball Dupont Foundation uh, Fund will will co invest in. Um, so that seems like an example of of something you've catalyzed. What are you seeing in terms of results? Yeah, so you know we are really building this field, building this space of impact investing in the U.S. creative economy, and so we've been at this, as you know, since 2016. It's still young in a lot of ways. We spent the first three years getting our arms around what the opportunity was to demonstrate to ourselves and others that there were both a pipeline of investable opportunities that met the test for market rate return and deep. Uh, impact, as well as a cohort of art-loving art patrons, art collectors, artists, foundations that fund in the arts and endowed cultural institutions, impact investors who wanted to see money going to work around something where they had a passion and a mission. And so if you can bring that source of capital together with a use of capital, you've got a market, right? And so we've been working since 2016 to de-risk and decipher this space, this opportunity to demonstrate what's possible. When you and I first talked, it was around the first vehicle that Upstart uh, put into the market as a proof of concept in partnership with the Calvert Foundation using their community investment note to uh direct capital to affordable housing for artists. Uh, that was followed by a fund that we did with LISC in New York City, the LISC um, NYC Inclusive Creative Economy Fund, where we had uh, endowed cultural institutions like Creative Capital, foundations that fund in the arts in New York, like the Altman Foundation, as well as uh, artists who are impact investors like Laurie Meyercord, all demonstrating that if you build it, if you create that vehicle that makes it easy for impact investors to direct their capital to the creative economy, those impact investors will show up. And in New York, the purpose of the capital was to invest in shared workspaces so it was possible for creative economy businesses to start up and grow in New York, a place where real estate's expensive, right, and can be a real barrier to uh, creative production. We wanted New York to continue to be a vital place where creative work happens. It's not just consumed, right, but the, the seeds can be planted and, and successfully grow here. So where we're headed next is a national inclusive creative economy fund that's really focused on uh, businesses in the creative industries. And I can tell you more about that, but um, that's that's where we've gotten to over seven years. So in terms of success and accomplishment, uh, Upstart's mobilized about $20 million of capital 
for the creative economy from impact investors. We've done these three demonstrations with the Calvert Foundation, LISC, and now Honeycomb Credit to demonstrate that with the right vehicle in place, the impact investors show up. And we've started to unlock a whole new cohort of impact investors, uh, especially through work that we've been doing with endowed cultural institutions like museums, which hold in total, uh, America's cultural institutions hold about $60 billion in their endowments, but they've been woefully behind really the universities and the foundations who've been investing for mission and value. So we're trying to unlock that capital and welcome a whole new class of impact investors into the conversation. Yeah, fantastic. Now take a minute and tell us a little bit more about the future that you, you hinted at. Yeah, so we've set a, a very audacious goal of raising $100 million for America's inclusive creative economy. Uh, we will be investing this capital in both funds that are impact and sustainable funds that have a strong uh, exposure to creative industries, as well as direct investments into seed and early stage companies in industries like film and TV, video games, fashion, those types of creative industries. Uh, we are seeking capital from foundations and donor advised funds. Uh, first and foremost, while taking a page from the book of others who've gone first in this creative, in this uh, impact investing movement, like the Acumen Fund and Root Capital and Social Finance, all of which were nonprofit organizations that used program-related investments and grant capital and recoverable grants from charitable uh, sources to both invest as well as to keep the lights on and pay the team and, and keep the operations moving. So uh, we are working hard now. You and I are talking at the end of September to reach a goal, a first close goal of $20 million of investment commitments, hopefully knock on wood by December, so that starting in January, we can start to uh, invest that capital. It's an exciting opportunity for the Upstart team. As I described, we've been advising for the last three years, families and foundations and cultural institutions about the opportunities of impact investing in the creative economy. And now we will be in that have that responsibility to allocate capital against a comprehensive investment thesis and uh, an influence strategy, because we're really doing this to demonstrate to others what's possible. And as a nonprofit, our mission comes first, and we'll be radically generous to share what we learn. So as we invest in funds that have a strong exposure to the creative economy, we will tell our wealth advisor friends who have impact investing clients who've been clamoring for opportunities connected to arts and culture. And as we invest in great companies, early stage companies in the creative industries, we'll let some of the GPs we know uh, learn about that and, and meet those great entrepreneurs and hopefully co-invest. Uh, from an impact point of view, we're very focused on people. Our impact thesis prioritizes access to capital for BIPOC and women founders, quality jobs in the creative industries, uh, vibrant communities that are anchored around creative places and businesses and sustainable lives for artists, designers, and other creative people. So um, that's, we're working hard. We're talking to a lot of investors now. Uh, we've got about $15 million in sight already, which is fantastic. And we appreciate some of the, the folks who are on this journey with us. Well, you have done uh, amazing work and what you're aspiring to do is truly incredible. Um, what do you see as your superpower? Ah, my superpower. You know, when I'm with artists, I'm sort of the business person in the room, the investment person in the room, now the impact investing person in the room. When I'm with 
impact investors, management consultants, um, you know, the, these sort of more, more uh, financially oriented types. I'm the, the representative of creatives and creativity and creative economy. And I'm the, the artist whisperer, right? I'm the person who can, who has that perspective on what's happening in the creative sector. And so if I, if I have a superpower, Devin, and I appreciate you uh, um, implying that I necessarily do, if I have a superpower, I think it's that bridging role and the ability to, whether you call it code switching or how we talk about this ability to move between cultures and groups and sectors in a constructive way, right? In a way that helps to connect the dots. And we saw at the very beginning of Upstart that that was going to be incredibly important because you had um, investors and, and, and business types talking about value proposition. And you had uh, artists and designers turned social entrepreneurs talking about mission and purpose. And those two things are, are related. They're deeply, deeply related. But if you don't use the the vocabulary and the jargon and talk about things in terms and using principles and a precedence that your audience understands, you can really miss each other, even though you, you have common ground. And so I think my comfort and ability to be at a McKinsey and company, be at a Rockefeller Foundation, work for the United Nations, be the senior deputy chair at the National Endowment for the Arts, all super duper fancy and important places, right? But at the same time, um, you know, put on jeans and sneakers and go visit an artist in their studio and learn from them and uh, try to get inside their head a little bit and appreciate how they see the world. I think being able to do both things is what Upstart's all about, uh, this bridge building connecting role. And so hopefully I have that the power to do that well, because I think it's really important that that needs to happen right now to bring the creative economy back into this quickly growing and moving impact investing movement. Yeah. You know, that bridging ability is critically important to, to your point. And I think a lot of us want to be able to do that better. As you reflect on the, the last few years, you uh, as you pulled together uh, Upstart CoLab from nothing, can you identify a specific instance when you used that bridging skill successfully to just to illustrate its power? Yeah, so something that that happened um, recently, uh, I got to meet a fabulous entrepreneur leader named David Belt. One of the things that David's done is co-founded uh, an organization, a company uh, called New Lab. They're in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and they are a fabulous company. It's very focused on innovation and technology, and they have impact in their DNA. A lot of what they do focuses on mobility, climate, some of these really big issues that are going to be important to global sustainability. Uh, part of their model is to incubate entrepreneurs, and they're mindful to be sure that diverse entrepreneurs have a place in that in that accelerator, that incubator, and have an opportunity to tap into all of the resources at New Lab to build their businesses. Um, so, it, really interesting, high-powered business that is really a design shop, right? It's it's all about design and innovation to make to solve big problems. They have corporate customers, they have government customers. Uh, you know, they're they're using design as the 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 tool to to solve issues. And 
they're doing it on steroids, right? Big sophisticated organization, anchor tenant in the Brooklyn Navy Yard in New York, uh, fabulous. And they don't lead talking about their social impact. So getting to know David, getting to know New Lab, the impact was obvious to me, but I wasn't sure how, um, whether other impact investors would recognize it the way I was recognizing it, because they don't have a chief impact officer. They haven't been publishing an impact report. They don't, you know, go out first and foremost with a, a values or impact statement, right? They're just quietly going about doing the work. And in some ways that's more powerful, right? So First, I talked to David and I'm like, you know, we counsel all these families and foundations about investing, but since you don't lead with your value statement and you don't publish an impact report, I'm not really sure that they would recognize New Lab. And I know you're raising your Series A, so there's a moment right now for investors to invest in New Lab, but I'm not really sure that our, our folks that we work with would, would want to do this. Then I went away and I was really noodling on this because I thought, this is an awesome organization. They're all about design. They are, um, you know, uh, at, at, like at a super duper top professional level doing it with doing what they're doing. They've been doing it for a while. They're about to expand to Detroit. They're doing this. They're they're growing. Um, they have access to all these awesome corporate clients. They like they're phenomenal, and they are an example of the power of design to accomplish social change. If I cannot express that. And if I cannot situate a conversation so that the smart, thoughtful impact investors that we are advising, who've already put their hand up and said, we believe in the power of art, design, and creativity to make social change. If I can't help those folks recognize the social power of this phenomenal design company, I'm like not doing my job, right? So we facilitated a conversation. We brought together three of the families who we thought would be um, most receptive and able to move quickly uh, to close out this Series A investment round. And guess what? All three families invested. So it took a little uh, back and forth. It took a little framing of the discussion. It took an acknowledgement that New Lab was delivering impact, not talking about impact. Uh, but the investors definitely saw it. And as a result of three impact investors asking a certain type of question and coming in to close out the Series A, New Lab now is exploring doing their first impact report, being more expressive and intentional and communicative about what impact they're seeking to have in the world and how it's important to them. And they're starting to see this as a competitive advantage to uh, recruit and retain talent to the organization because they're competing against some of the um, richest tech companies on the planet when they're looking to hire great people. So that, I think, is something we're proud of. We did it earlier this year, and it it pushed me uh, and it pushed us to say, if you, we claim that we bridge and connect, don't shy away from some of the high potential you know, also, you know, high risk, we fall on our face opportunities to make those connections and introductions. Yeah, that's brilliant. What a great example. What a great example and the huge difference you made. If you are trying to coach uh, a colleague or a protege on how to build this talent, this ability to to bridge two communities, what would you coach them to do? So to develop that skill. So you need to take yourself out of the equation. You need to have a certain amount of confidence. You need to work on your own 
um, instrument, right? Your public speaking, your ability to write, your ability to frame stories, make PowerPoint slides, you know, whatever we, whatever tools we use to communicate to people, but it has to be about the other people. It especially, you know, from where I sit in terms of what motivates me to uh, lead Upstart CoLab, I'm motivated by my belief in the power of artists, designers, and creative people to come up with phenomenal solutions um, and be able to execute on them in a way that I am not capable of. I need to believe that they have a, an ability, a capacity, an insight, a set of aptitudes, talents, and instincts that I don't have, and that I'm wanting to put my energy, my time, whatever skills I have, whatever network I have in service of helping these creative entrepreneurs be able to scale and sustain their work in the world. So it's got to be about them, not about me. And similarly, it's got to be uh, meeting the investor where they are and helping them see this opportunity and how it will allow them to advance their goals for their portfolio both from a financial point of view and an impact point of view. So that's one piece. It's got to be about, you've got to put the bridging work first. It can't be about your own ego. The other piece is you've got to do the work, right? You've got to truly know the, from our, you know, in this context, I've got to really know about investing. I can't sort of, you know, half, half asset, right? I need to um, have had my background of six years working on wall street, uh, eight years managing $3 billion foundation endowments. Uh, I have to have done the work to you know, write the first treatise on social impact bonds in the United States and lead that project when I was at McKinsey, right? I have to actually know what investor expectations are and not expect or ask them to give up their financial return requirements just because they are supposed to be having impact, right? I need to be realistic about whether a museum endowment can consider a concessionary return and realize that when I'm talking to an endowed cultural institution that depends on their endowment to fill a gap in their budget every year, that's a different conversation than if I'm talking to a foundation that is going to repurpose some of their grants budget for recoverable grants or program-related investments. And if they get some of the money back, that's a win, right? They were going to give it away in the first place anyway. So I've got to actually know what I'm talking about. And similarly with artists and designers and creatives, I can't uh, expect that they're going to see the world the same way as if they had an MBA from Stanford, right? I've got to listen to them, recognize that they're the experts in the room, hear what they're trying to accomplish, and then try to suggest models or pathways that will allow them to do what they want to do. And if it can't be done in a business or it can't be done with investment rather than grant support, I need to educate them, help them to see that, um, provide them information about what they would need to consider doing differently if they really felt like the marketplace was going to be the way to scale and sustain their work. So I, I need to, I need to know, I need to know my stuff if I'm going to be successful in bridging these two worlds. I need to be seen as legitimate by each world in order to be seen as a trusted interlocutor to bring the two sides together. Yeah, boy, great counsel, great counsel. Well, Lara, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Before we wrap up, would you just take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Upstart Collab sure. and Absolutely. how they can connect with you? 
Absolutely. So Upstart Collab, our website is upstartco-lab, sorry, upstartco-lab.org. And uh, there you can uh, send an email to our info at upstartcolab.org email, or you can look at my bio, which includes my email at the end of it. Fantastic. Well, Laura, thank you so, so much. I'm so grateful for your time today. We wish you every success in continuing and expanding the great work you're doing. Thanks a lot, Devin. Have a great day. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.